0: Um, I'll read the scripture, Matthew 13, verse 31 through 32. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden. Garden plants and become a tree, so that the birds come and perch on its branches. Can we give another hand for That was, it's not... <laughs> it is uh, it's scary up here, y'all. Um, great job. Thank you, Justice. And thank you, Pastor Jen. Can we give a round of applause for Jen? Um, well, good morning. It's good, all, good to see all of you. Um, real quick shout out. My, my friend and my brother, Howard Kim, is in the background, so I just want to honor you and say hi. Uh, <laughs> We went to. He just moved to Chicago like three days ago, and so we went to seminary together. And he's here now. Him and his wife Kim are here, so um, I love. It's, it's meaningful to have you here. So thank you, brother. I love you. Um, if you are joining us, it's been a minute. No shame. Uh, no shade. We are in the book of. We've we've been traveling with Matthew for a while now, like more than a half a year, and following him as in accordance with the lectionary and. More specifically, the past few weeks, we have been traveling through Matthew 13. And if you know Matthew 13, we've been journeying with the parables, which are these odd little stories that seem a little too simple. And it's the way Jesus likes to communicate the deepest of truths is through these parables. And so we've been journeying through the parables, which means we've also been swimming in the language of the parables. And the language of the parables is the language of Jesus. So we've been sitting with seeds and soil and the sower and the field, and the fruit, and the harvest, and the kingdom of heaven. How's that for alliteration? And that's kind of what we've been in. So fields, and fruit, and wheat, and weeds, and soil, and seeds, and a good sower. Okay, so that's kind of the language we're swimming in. And so in the background, we're asking ourselves, why does Jesus tend to use these images? Why these metaphors? Why this language to communicate all these things? And if you remember earlier, the beginning after the parable of the sower, all his disciples are kind of like, Jesus, why, why are you speaking in parables like this? This doesn't make sense. It's a little too complicated, but simple at the same time. Right? And, he ha- and Jesus has that beautiful line where he's saying, right, we often see, but we don't really see. And our ears are open, but we don't actually listen. And our hearts are there, but we kind of just misunderstand. So what's at stake in the parables? This is just to set up the sermon. What's at stake in the parables is that we might truly see and that we might truly, truly hear and that we might understand with our hearts. And then he says that beautiful line, quoting the prophet, he says, and that they might understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So that's why we're in the parables. Okay, that's just to set us up. Will you pray with me? God, our good sower, God of the soil and of the seed and of the wheat and of the weeds, and God of the harvest. We are here this morning because though we walk with eyes open all day, alert, watching what's around us, we sometimes fail to see. And though we go around each day taking in all the sounds, all the music, all the conversations, we still fail to hear you in your gentle voice. And God, it is our prayer this morning that we might hear and see and turn, that we might be healed anew by you. God, would the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts here this morning, would they be acceptable in your sight? In Jesus' name. Amen. So I, uh, some of you know, because some of you helped me move, I recently moved. I I moved at the beginning of uh, the month, and somehow during the month, like three-fourths of my plants died. And I don't know why, because, well, I don't water them, but that's beside the point. It's neither here nor there. They just died, and I'm trying to figure out why they died. So I get to the new place. I'm trying to get moved in, trying to get settled in. And uh, my plants are dead. So I said, OK, bet. I need to go to the plant store. So about four or five days ago, I went to the plant store. Have y'all been to a plant store recently? There's a few things. First of all, plants are offensively expensive. <laughs> like, right? I'm like, dang. Like, it was like the bougie one in Wicker Park. And I went, and I was like, this is insane. So I go. I'm trying to. I'm just like, I just want a few. Like, I don't need the big ones. I just want one of the small ones. And what I, I noticed a few things at the plant store. Stay with me. A few things. Well, first, they're expensive. But secondly, they're all kind of priced in different tiers, right? So there'll be like five different species of plants, the ones that everyone wants, right? The, the fig leaf plant, y'all know what I'm talking about. The monstera, the snake plant, um, a few other ones. But they all have like three different tiers. You can get the small one for like $20 to $30, right? I see some heads nodding, y'all see what I'm saying? And then you can get the medium sized ones, those are like $60 to $70 or $80. And then you get the ones that everyone really wants, which is like the huge ones that'll look nice in your living room. And they're literally like $130. And I was like, this is highway robbery. You know I'm going to kill this thing in four to six weeks. And I'm paying $120. for this." So anyway, I personally, I opted for the small one. I got like a $30 plant that I'm praying lasts me till next month. Um, but as I went, I went home from that with my plant. And it was actually about the same time I started to prepare for this sermon. And a few things hit me. And I was like, something leapt off the page of, of, this, of this parable that I've read probably 500, 1,000 times growing up as a pastor's kid, and in junior high Sunday school, and in mission trips, and then in college, and then in seminary. And something new leapt off the page, and it was right in front of me. And it's this idea that we, I think we have a hard time with things starting from seeds. Oh, because I forgot to mention that when I went up to check out for my plant, I was just kind of curious. I was like, do you, do you sell these in seeds? And the guy looked at me. He's like, "He's like, no, you can't. Like, It's too hard. We wouldn't sell seeds. We don't sell seeds because there's no demand to get a Monstera plant from a seed. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he says, because it would require this really specific environment, it's going to require all these other steps. And like he's saying all these huge words like propagating germinate. And, and I'm like, all right. So She's like, no one would buy this. It's too hard. You just you spend the money on the ones that are already half grown or full grown. So I'm going home reading this text and, and it's jumping off. I was like, we have a problem with seeds. We want to pick things up when there's already some growth that's happened. And we want to pick up the plant that's already stable, already healthy, already big, already ready to go in our living room. And I realize that there's this kind of backward logic. I wonder if you, if you feel me on this. In the world, there's this backward logic that suggests that the more that something has to grow, the less value we assign to it. Have you all thought about that? Or maybe let me say that about people. The more that we sense that people have to grow, the less value we assign to them. And I wonder why. If, if maybe it's just that they will require more energy, Maybe that they're going to require more time. Maybe they're going to require more patience. Maybe you're going to have to nurture them for a long time. And that's hard. I think we have a problem with things beginning at the seed. And yet here's Jesus very plainly saying, the kingdom of heaven is like not just a seed, but the smallest of seeds, it says. The smallest of seeds. The kingdom of heaven is not like the medium-sized monstera plant. And it's not like the full size fig leaf plant. The kingdom of heaven is like the seed that they don't even sell in the store because no one likes having to start the growth process from a seed. And so I really do think that this is one of the most subversive things and the most countercultural things that Jesus is inviting us into. And it's the blatant fact that the kingdom of heaven Ready? It's going to be so sophisticated. The kingdom of heaven starts small. The kingdom of heaven starts small. And when we say kingdom of heaven, we're talking about a world made right. Let's just get clear. When we we dream and when we envision kingdom of heaven, we're talking about a world made right, a redeemed world, a world as God intends it, which, of course, is a world of extravagant tenderness which of course is a world where everyone has what they need. It's a world that is just a big circle of compassion and no one is standing outside of it. Kingdom of heaven. A world without violence, a world without poverty, a world without all the stupid exclusions that we create. A world marked by peace. A world where folks are firmly anchored and tethered to their own sense of belovedness, the kingdom of heaven starts as a seed. And it begins in darkness. And it begins underground. And it begins out of sight. And it begins in a way that's very underwhelming. And it begins in a way that's very unimpressive. And it begins in a way that's very unassuming. It's not flashy. It's not showy. It's not highly defended. And the fact that the text says that it becomes, that's going to be one of the big words to hang on to today, becomes, becoming, becoming, becoming. And the fact that it becomes this big old mustard plant suggests that it will be undergoing growth and maturation and change and evolution the entire way. It will be, in other words, in process, the kingdom of heaven will be. It will be a work in progress. The kingdom of heaven will be a work in progress until the time you're gone from here in the process of becoming. And I think this is a huge challenge for most of us, if we're honest, because we don't like when things have a long way to go. I mean, think about, think about the institutions you're a part of. How annoying, how like, agonizing is it when the institutions you're a part of are going to take longer than you have to wait, when they will have to grow and shift and change, and they're in process, and they're just on the way. We can't even stand that, and yet it's the truth of institutions, unfortunately. We can push them, and yet it's going to take longer probably than we want. What about the people we love? It's hard to love people, if we're honest, right? Tell me it's not hard to love people when they have a long way to go, (laughs) when they have a lot of areas that they need to grow in, and you love them, and you're committed to them. And you know that they have so much change and growth and healing ahead of them, starting from a seed. That's hard. That is never going to be not hard. And let's be really, really, really real for just one second. What about your relationship to yourself and your own ways that you're in process? In the own ways, you're you're just a work in progress and you have a lot of healing yet in front of you. So it's like, I think you guys can hear me and say, oh yeah, I get that the the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed and a mustard seed starts from a seed and it's going to be in this process of becoming the whole time. You can say that in one breath and then you'll go home and in the next breath, you're beating yourself up because you're a work in progress. (laughs) Does anyone do that? Who's going to go home today and is going to be harsh with themselves about something because they're not all the way there? Who's going to go home today and and beat yourself up because you're not all the way done and you're healing? There's some things you're just not quite sure about yet. And so it makes sense then. I think this is what Jesus is trying to really get us to see in a metaphor. Maybe this is a different take. But he's like, if you have a hard time seeing that it's really small, And it starts out in darkness, and it starts out underground, and then it's always in process, and it's always in the process of becoming. If you can't hold those things, well, then you're never going to be able to be attentive to other people on their healing journey, are you? And if you can't hold those things, you're not going to be able to be attentive and loving to your own self in your own process of becoming. So then no wonder we're not going to be able to see the kingdom of heaven in its process of becoming. Does that make sense? Are you with me on that? We have a hard time with tiny seeds. And so I just want to suggest that this is what we want, to become a community who can actively wait in the already and the not yet. I know you've probably heard that phrase before. It's kind of what theologians like to say as like the time we're living in as, as followers of Jesus. The already and the not yet. And the seed is kind of the perfect analogy for that. A seed is already. It's planted. It's sown. It's beautiful. It wonder, it's wonderful. It has all this capacity and potential for growth. And it's not yet what it's going to be. A seed is both. The already and the not yet. And so we want to become a people who have the courage I think this relates to courage and it relates to hope. Can we be a people who have the courage to nurture things that are not yet what they might become? Do we have the courage to nurture the things that are not yet what they might become? The kingdom of heaven is on its way. This reminds me of a, there's an there's a Indian poet, activist, author, I think she wanted. to She writes the book, um, The God of Small Things, Armandati Roy. And she has this beautiful quote. I have it on a sticky note, and I put it anywhere on my wall. And it says, another world is not only possible, but another world is on her way. And on a quiet day, I can hear her breathing. Another world is not just possible, but she is on her way and you perceive it. So that's the first part. But then the parable doesn't really end there, does it? The the seed does, in fact, grow. And it doesn't grow from the smallest to the medium size. It actually does grow into what? What does the text say? It grows into the largest of the garden plants. The seed grows. And when it grows, the text says, it grows and becomes a tree. And it grows and then becomes so that. I love the phrasing in this parable. I think it's like the roadmap for us. So it grows and becomes so that. When it grows and becomes so that, which is another way of saying for the purpose of or in service to. And this is the second subversive point that I think is just going to be so always challenging for us and so subversive and so convicting. Notice what the text doesn't say. It does not say, when it grows, it becomes the largest garden plant and becomes a tree so that it can produce the best mustard fruit ever. It does not say, yet when it grows and becomes a tree, it becomes the most efficient, high-performance tree with the highest yield of top-tier, grade-A crop. It does not say that. And it doesn't say, yet when it grows, It becomes the most beautiful tree, and it sets the bar for productivity and efficiency for all the other plants in the garden. It doesn't say that. Or it doesn't say, when it grows, it becomes the largest of plants, and it becomes a tree so that all the other plants in the garden would fear it, and they know not to mess with it. See, right in our Western and kind of capitalist framework and imagination, we are always associating bigness and largeness with domination, aren't we? With capital gains. And our minds automatically assume that growth means something like self-promotion, self-aggrandizement, bigger platform, or more profit, or more impressive, or a bigger building, or a bigger house, or a bigger paycheck and better productivity, and better efficiency. But friends, the good news of the parable today, the good news of the parable today is that when God's kingdom grows, it becomes a place not that is self-serving, but a place that becomes a place of rest and a place of safety. Did you catch that in the text? When God's kingdom grows, outsiders see it as a place of shelter. When the kingdom of God grows, it becomes a place that other people see as a place of safety and protection and rest. It becomes a structure and an apparatus, we might use that language. Think of a tree and its branches. It becomes an apparatus and a structure that serves as rest and protection, and it grows branches. And all these other species feel like they can come and sit and stay a while, don't they? So it becomes big not for itself, but it becomes big and service to everything and everyone else. What a vision for the church, huh? Isn't that a vision for the church? The kingdom of heaven. When it grows and becomes so that... Becoming for what is sort of the question we're asking. We're so caught up in bearing good fruit, aren't we? In bearing lots of fruit, bearing good fruit, bearing impressive fruit. God, we just want to be a community that bears good fruit. And there's nothing wrong with that, is it? Except that what the mustard seed is showing us, that's a tongue twister, the mustard seed is showing us that what we are becoming And who are we becoming for is every bit as important as the fruit we bear. Why is that not the parable? That what we are becoming, and more specifically, what we are becoming for, for what, is every bit as important as the fruit that we think we're supposed to bear. And as a matter of fact, if you, I, I did a random Google search. I was like, what do you do with the fruit of a mustard seed anyway? And it was some technical language, so I didn't really understand. But what I think I, I got from Google and Wikipedia is you can't even do much with the actual fruit of a mustard tree. Like, I think it's just a pod, and you can't, you can't eat it. You can't use it. You can sort of use the leaves. But you know what the best part of the mustard plant is? Oh, this will preach by itself. The seed. <laughs> we use the seed. The thing we're so averse to, the thing we're always trying to grow away from. I don't really like mustard, but the the people who like mustard, you use the seed, right? It's the seed that we use. And yet we're so caught up in what fruit it's going to bear. That's hard, isn't it? Who we are as a community church, who we are going to be, River City, who are you going to be as an individual Are you becoming more safe for other people? Are you becoming more spacious? Are you becoming welcoming? Is your growth making you more self-sufficient or selfless? That's how you can check your growth. Is your growth leading to a bigness of your own ego? Or is it growing to a bigness of your heart? Are we as a church rooted in West Humboldt Park? Are we growing in a way that is becoming a community where birds can come and perch? In other words, do the birds instinctively know that they can come here and feel seen and feel safe and get what they need? Do they? Do they with you? Do they with us? Who are the birds that need to come and perch? And here we were tripping about a little mustard seed. But we might become a tree for others. Is the church in America becoming big for the vulnerable and for the despised and for the readily left out, for the outsiders, for the outcasts, or is it becoming big for something else? That seems to me to be the question. Because when it grows, the kingdom of God becomes. Becomes for what? For others. So that undocumented immigrants, for instance. Or so that for sex workers, for instance. Or so that for queer folks. Or so that for people who you don't like. Or so for your crazy uncle who loves Donald Trump (laughs) might perch in your branches. So maybe you're here this morning, and I bet you're in one of those two places. I'm willing to bet that you either have a hard time with being a seed or becoming big in a way that you didn't feel like you wanted to become big. I'm willing to bet that everyone here is in one of those two camps, and maybe both. I feel like I'm kind of in both. (laughs) Maybe you feel like the kingdom is taking too long to be inaugurated. Maybe you feel like the way it's being ushered in is taking a while. And maybe you feel like this personally. Maybe you feel a little bit like a seed buried, and you got dirt all on you, and no one can see in you, and you're still unconvincing, and you're still unassuming, and you're in darkness like a seed. Maybe you feel like your own healing is taking too long. I hear that. Maybe you feel like your community is a little underwhelming still. (laughs) Maybe the church isn't progressing like you wanted it to. Friends, take heart. Everything, and I mean everything, and I mean everyone, is a work in progress. Can you admit that for yourself and for the world, that everything is in process? Dang it. (laughs) But she's on her way. Can you hear her breathing? Or maybe you're in the other camp, and maybe it's the bigness that gets to you. Maybe you're here this morning in the way that seeds grow into a big tree is hard for you, and you wanted it to be for your productivity, or you wanted it to be for your own image. and Maybe that's what you signed up when some preacher said, give your life to Jesus. You thought it was going to make you big for you or for your church, or for anything really other than becoming a branch that others can perch on. Maybe you feel like all of your value is in the fruit that you can produce for other people. May you take heart, for the kingdom of God grew and became and is becoming so that the birds. That's the good news. Amen and amen. Amen, amen. amen. Uh, We're gonna do a benediction, but before we do a benediction, and uh, we kind of have a bittersweet sending for one of our own, a very important uh, member of our community. And so I'm going to ask Hannah, would you be willing to come up here? Yeah, up here. I mean, up here, up here. And all who have been touched by Hannah and know Hannah and consider her a friend and a sister, would you come on up here? And we're going to lay hands. Because you're Pentecostal at heart, apparently. <laughs> if you don't know, Hannah is moving, and today is her last day. Here, well, oh, actually, you leave later today. Huh? Yeah, she literally flies out today. So, to go to grad school in Seattle. What? Yeah, it's okay that you came up here. No, you all stay down there. Uh, friends, this is important that we, we give thanks and then we send um, our community members off. So it's sad and it's bittersweet, but it's important. So in whatever way you're able, would you extend a hand or two hands? And let's pray for this woman of God. Hannah Sanders, we give thanks for your life. God, we are grateful to you for who you've made Hannah to be. And God, we thank you for how she's touched each of our own lives, how she's been a part of this community for the last couple years. And God, what a witness about how to show up with humility, with self-awareness, with ears that are ready to listen before she's ready to speak, with a posture that says, here I am. I can serve. I can love. I can give of my time. That's who Hannah has been in our community. And so God, I, we are overflowing with gratitude for her life and for her witness and how she bears witness truly, truly, truly um, to a unique way that you show up in the world. So we are grateful. And God, on top of our gratefulness, we ask for your blessing upon her life. We ask, I think Hannah means in Hebrew something like favor and grace. So we ask God for favor. I usually wouldn't pray that, but I pray that right now, God, for favor on Hannah's life as she goes to Seattle, as she goes to move in with her brother, as she goes to start grad school in a new city, in a new community, may she find, um, may she find people who can support her. I know she'll find people that she can support. Oh God, thank you. Would you go with her? Would she know in the depths of her spirit, in the depths of her bones, that you go with her? Where could she go from your presence, O oh God? Nowhere. And so may you go with her on this plane flight to Seattle. And may she go to love and to serve. And along the way, would she know that she is yet a work in progress, as we all are. And God, we look forward to the day that we see her again. And we're going to miss her. And so Hannah, we love you. We bless you. We lift you up to our God who goes with you. And we say, thank you, God, and thank you, Hannah. Mm-hmm. In the name of the triune God, we pray this over you, Hannah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. And with the rest of you, if you're able, would you stand and we'll get out of here. Stay, Stay yeah. We can, we can Benedict together. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you would say that. Friends, church, community, beloved, participants in the kingdom of heaven, may you go and may you grow. May you let yourself grow. And as you grow, would you become so that. May you become so that others. May you go so that the birds may perch in your branches and go in peace and go in love. Amen. Amen.